Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. The weekend is upon us. Week four of the college lacrosse season. Really this weekend we see action really ramp up. Multiple heavyweight battles. A couple including the Ivy Leagues as they are now. Uh, Most teams will be two games in the season at the end of this week. A couple teams, three games in. Uh, But before we get to the weekend action, we need to talk a little bit about what happened on Wednesday. We had North Carolina getting a bounce-back victory over the Brown Bears. Uh, This one was a battle. And really, it really was a the flipped the script was flipped completely um, from what Carolina did on Saturday against Ohio State. So Carolina against Ohio State, a twenty to eight blowout loss. They go twenty nine percent at the dot, and you see Colin Krieg make. 15 saves, but only a 42% save percentage. Ohio State dominated possession, especially in this, mostly in the second half. It was a pretty even game in the first half. Second half, Ohio State blew things out of the water. Now, North Carolina bounces back with a pretty strong performance at the faceoff dot and in cage on Wednesday against Brown. Zach Tucci goes 75%. Andrew Tyler went three for four. Uh, so he saw a little bit of action, went 75% there as well. The team overall, I think they had Tucci, Tyler. I can't remember if they had Mullins take one or two faceoffs, but I know Tucci took the majority. Tyler took a couple as well. As a team, they go 21 for 28, 75% at the dot. Uh, that is a, a, a drastic, that is a stark comparison, I should say, from what they did on Saturday <clears throat> against Ohio State, going 29%. Now, with that, uh, you also had Colin Krieg, 17 saves, 60% save percentage, all around a very, very solid performance for Carolina. They outshoot Brown 48 to 38 and won the ground ball battle 41 to 24. Tar Heels also held the Bears to 22 for 26 in the clearing game. Carolina goes 17 for 20 themselves. Really, this game, a much better performance from Carolina than we saw on Saturday. They proved they can bounce back. Now, I will say this, Brown did not go away. They never went away in this game until the end, until that clock struck zero. They really were in this game the entire way. You saw Carolina jump out. I think it was a 4-0 lead, but that didn't last long. Uh, Brown was able to get back into things, and really they were able to you know, take a 6-5 lead uh, with 10-18 remaining in the second. And then they took another 9-8 lead, two consecutive goals from Ryan Ogivin, including that main-up goal 
with 8.05 left in the third. So they were able to get two leads in this game. They tied it up, I think, four or five times in this game throughout. So Brown is right there on the heels of Carolina all game. We know this is a Brown team that can go fast, and they did that multiple times. They didn't get out. This was not 2016 Brown, run and gun, but they were able to get out in transition and make some plays happen, make some plays happen fast and capitalize on those opportunities that they were able to get. For Carolina, though, they're able to push ahead, stay ahead. As they, I mentioned, they only trailed twice in this game, but literally Brown gets up, and not even a, a minute, two minutes later, Carolina's right back tying it and then eventually getting back on top. So Carolina, every blow that Brown gave them, they were able to rebound from it, which is a, a really solid performance from Carolina and showing that they can stay ahead and really a stark comparison to what we saw from them against Ohio State. Now, I will say, this Carolina defense has still got to get better. Colin Krieg had a very solid day in cage, but that defense overall still has to get a lot better. You saw Brown get some shots that, frankly, you know, guys are wide open um, on the wings. Guys are wide open near the crease. That that can't happen. You have to you have to get better close defense and at that short stick position, especially because look, you can have the best goalie in the world, uh, but you can only take so many shots before the dam is going to break. And that didn't happen here today, as Carolina succeeds, gets the 14-11 bounce-back win. Should mention Cole Herbert in this one. Really, really solid performance from him. Four goals in the game, including uh, a pair of man-up goals late in the final period that really helped Carolina fully take control of this game and put things away. Jacob Kelly, uh, assistant on both of those goals, and then put in one of his own on an open net as Brown pulled the goalie, and uh, that was all she wrote there. Kelly had eight points, three goals, five assists. Chris Gray also had a solid day as well. Two goals, three assists for five points there. On the Brown side, you saw... Devin McLean lead the way here, had a hat trick and two assists for five points. And then Darian Cook did his thing as well, two goals and two assists on the day. Really story of this one, face-off success and solid play in cage. Lists Carolina across the finish line there against Brown. The other game that went on on Wednesday was Army and Siena. And this is one, you know, the Siena Saints, they gave Army a first-half scare as they had things all knotted up at 4-4, tied up at Mikey Stadium at the half. Dylan Pape was going 8-for-10, 80% of the dot in those first two periods. Chris Yankowicz. 11 saves 
in cage for the Saints. And then look, Jack Obe, he puts Sienna up 5-4 to four early on in the third. But Army, they soon found their bearings once again, and they just go full speed ahead. They get the 20-10 to 10 victory in this one. And really, eight goals run that you saw here in the third quarter. Uh, four straight from Reese Buick. Really strong game for him. He had four goals in this one as well as an assist. Three of those goals during that eight-goal eight stretch, uh, four of which came from Buick. Four consecutive came from Buick. Three of those assisted by Brendan Nickturn who had himself a career day, a career best 10 points off three goals and seven assists. His performance saw him surpass the 200 career point mark, becoming one of just six players in West Point history to reach that milestone. Um, at you know, Wyatt Schupel, 16 saves in cage. You had in the second half, Army was able to gather themselves at the faceoff dot. Will Coletti, Stevie Glaber, and Ethan uh, Baranga going, no, I mispronounced that, uh, but going 70% at the dot in the second half. That trio were uh, Coletti and Stevie Glaber doing the majority of the lifting there in the third and most of the fourth periods. Jack Kiernan, four goals. For the Saints, Chris Yankowis ends with 16 saves as Army beats Siena 20-10. Huge, huge second half for the Black Knights. Moving on to the weekend's action. Should mention things start off on Friday. Won't really talk about those games much. Hofstra and LIU and Stony Brook and St. John's are part of the inaugural Long Island Cup. The winners of those games will play on Sunday. We will also have Mount St. Mary's and UMBC, Sacred Heart and Quinnipiac, and Colgate and Hobart. Uh, that Colgate-Hobart one is probably the one I would circle as the best game of the day. Uh, Hofstra-LIU could be interesting as well. Uh, that Long Island Cup will be interesting to see how things turn out there. <laughs> um, I bet it's going to be Hofstra and Stony Brook in that final game there. First game I want to touch on here is this heavyweight battle we have in South Bend, Indiana, 1 p.m. on Saturday. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish go head-to-head against the Georgetown Hoyas in a top-five battle that will feature two likely top-five defenses in the country at season's end, 17th meeting overall and first since 2017 between these two. Georgetown, they will be looking to win the third of the season after beating Penn 10-8 to last Saturday in a game where really they had to fight uh, till the end there. In that game, offensively, Graham Bundy Jr. moves back to his natural position at midfield uh, with the return of T.J. Haley at attack after he was out 
for that Hopkins game with an injury. Uh, Bundy had two goals to assist there to lead the way for the Hoyas on Saturday. He's the currently the leader with nine points on the year. Three goals, three, uh, three goals, six assists in those first two games thus far. That offense will be interesting to see how look, Notre Dame, we, we saw guys like Jason Reynolds get that start there. Arden Cohen, this is a solid defense. This should be a really good defense for Notre Dame. Question is, you know, you played against, and obviously Liam Intamin and Cage, but you played against Detroit Mercy. You held them to two goals. You hold any team to two goals, that's impressive. But it's Detroit Mercy. You're going up now against a, 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 a team, a comparable team, that should be of the same talent level as you. How do they handle this offense? How are you going to handle a guy like Graham Bundy Jr., a TJ Haley? And really, who is going to get theirs for Georgetown? Who is going to be the focal point of that attack from the Notre Dame defense? And certainly with Liam Intamin in there, how do they handle that as well with the Hoyas? We look here, Glenn Bundy Jr., Dylan Watson, Connor Lewin, Alex Trippi, Dylan Huss. These are all guys, and TJ Haley, as I mentioned, these are all guys that can step into their own and create havoc. How do... How does this Notre Dame defense attack this Georgetown offense and vice versa? And I really do think in this game, the bigger questions are for the Irish. We've seen the Hoyas against Johns Hopkins, against Penn. In a way, they are who we thought they were. They're a really good team. They have the best defense in the country. That That is all factual at this point. How do the Irish compare to the Hoyas? We, we talked about this Notre Dame defense, and they didn't really face a, a comparable opponent last week. They're going to face a tough offense this week. How do they respond to that? On the other end, you have Pat Kavanaugh, Chris Kavanaugh, Eric Dobson, who is going to be a big, big piece of this Irish offense at the midfield after a solid freshman year, had three points last week. Wheaton, Jacker Boys, Bryce Walker, multiple guys. This is a deep, deep unit offensively for the Irish. They went up, they put up 24 against Detroit Mercy. I have a feeling they're not going to put up 24 on Georgetown or anywhere in that ballpark. But can this Notre Dame offense be as potent as they were last week? We know they're not going to be as good, as productive, but can they be as potent, as dangerous against the Hoyas' defense as they were a week ago. And look, Will Bowen, Gibson Smith, Owen McElvoy, and Cage. This is a 
really good Georgetown defense. We saw what they did against Penn. We saw what they did against them. We saw what they did against Hopkins. This is Notre Dame's second game of the season. How do they respond to that? And this is a big, big test for the Irish. And really, as I mentioned, this is a game where we will likely learn more about the Irish than we do the Hoyas. Just because Notre Dame hasn't really played anybody yet, so to speak. So really, Saturday will be much better barometer of where this Notre Dame team is at this stage. Not necessarily where they're going to be all year, but where they are at this stage, which I expect is still going to be, you know, pretty dang good. Um, But this is going to be a tough matchup for them. And vice versa, most likely for the Hoyas as well. And these games have always been pretty interesting, Notre Dame and Georgetown. Next game to talk about here, Virginia and Syracuse ACC play is kicking off this weekend. Well, we have one ACC game, and then there's like two, three weeks before we have the next one. I, I really don't like this ACC schedule, guys. Play your non-conference games, and then play your ACC schedule in a row. Like, don't be, come on. Don't be, you know, mixing it up February. You got some in March, some in April. That's just stupid. Um, but anyway, I digress. Syracuse, the only ACC team that beat the Cavaliers twice a season ago, beating them in February in the Dome and again in April on the road. This season, they go to Charlottesville early in the year, and the second meeting will be in the Dome. And, and, and look, Syracuse, we, they showed us last week against Maryland, they can fight. They can play against the best of them. They showed that. Now, Maryland obviously was a better team, as expected. But that game was a lot closer than many people thought it would be. Syracuse, Gary Gate, he showed us, look, I got a team here that can battle. I got a team here that, you know, we're not what some people think we are. You had some people coming in this year saying, it's a rebuilding year. This isn't going to be a good year for Syracuse. No, no. This is a Syracuse team. And you had even more of that. Oh, when Hiltz goes down, oh, man, you know, any any hope we had is washed away. No, no, no. Completely untrue. Completely false. This Syracuse team can fight. And many of these guys on this team fought for 60 minutes and won against the national champions last year. Jacob Fopp and this face-off unit held P.D. Lasala in both of their games. They did a good job on that. Matt Moore is out uh, again this week, uh, is out at the moment. He didn't play against Towson. I don't know what the status is of him, if he'll play against uh, Syracuse, but I think that if he does or doesn't, could be a big piece of how Virginia's offense 
handles this game. Connor Schellenberger, Peyton Cormier, obviously talented guys. Um, and, and then I should mention, this will be the first big test for freshman Matt Noons in cage, 55% save percentage. And look, Syracuse, or excuse me, Virginia, they're 3-0, and but they haven't looked as strong in their games as other ACC teams, other Big Ten teams, other top five teams. Slow start against Air Force. Had a, a full game fight against High Point, And a slow start again against Towson. Against Syracuse, and we saw Syracuse start slow last week and then catch up. They never took the lead, but they ca- caught up. Here's the thing. And they didn't win. But, but here's the thing. Virginia, if they start slowing this one, Syracuse is not Air Force. They're not High Point. They're not Towson. This is a talented team. This is a talented team that when they get up, they're not going to easily let you come back. This is going to be much more difficult to come back from if Virginia starts slow again. So they're going to have to start fast. Have to start strong, which they have not really done at all this season. The ride, they've held their teams to 52 for 67, or 76, excuse me, on the ride. That's 68% in the, in the clearing game their opponents have gone. I'll be interested in that battle. How does, does the Virginia ride hold this Syracuse clearing game? And then Peter Lasala and Jacob Fopp, those two guys, Lasala did not have good games against Syracuse a year ago. Can he get better against this team? I don't know what it was against Syracuse, but did, didn't do much against them. Um, so Fopp and Lasala, a strong battle there. On the Syracuse side, look, Virginia, their defense, I think, is probably the second best in the ACC. I don't think the ACC has particularly strong defenses this year, but Virginia does have some really talented pieces there. I mentioned Matt Noons has been strong in cage as a freshman. And you do have some talented guys around there, Scott Bauer and others, who have made some headway. Cole Kastner, multiple guys. This the Syracuse offense a week ago, and Maryland has a much better defense than Syracuse, just straight up, at the at this point in time. Right at this point in time, it appears that Syracuse has a Maryland has a better defense than Virginia with Kate Sostad, Clint Matusi, and Cole Kastner. While they've been good, haven't been as strong as Brett Brett May calling those guys in College Park. And that defense. Not, not so much that they caused problems, because they did against Syracuse. But Syracuse, it, it, it didn't look like they had too many ways to capitalize on, the, on what they were given. Like, they would be given an, an opportunity, 
Couldn't capitalize on it right away. Right? So you've seen that. Tucker Dordovic, Lucas Quinn. If that's all you have, it's going to be hard to win games. If that's all you have. So for Syracuse's offense, I think this is going to be a big game to see. Because we saw last week against Maryland, okay, they can do some damage. But Dordovic, Lucas Quinn are really your top couple guys. Okay. This game, I want to see who else do you have that can step up and make those big-time plays. Can Owen Seabold do that on a week-to-week basis? Right? And then defensively, look, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but last weekend, Caton Johnson went down to Chapel Hill. Ohio State blew out North Carolina. Caton Johnson, as many of you know, was a former North Carolina goalie. Started for them for, what, three years, I believe it was, before getting his job taken by Colin Creek. Bobby Gavin started for two games last year for Virginia. Had a solid game against Army. Had played, kind of rotated with Matthew Nunes as the starter, you know, so to speak, in the fall. And, uh, you know, ultimately over the winter decides to transfer and lands at Syracuse. Do we have another... Instant instance of a transfer goalie going off against his former team. I don't know. I don't know. If that happens, could mean really good for Syracuse there. So this game all around, interesting interesting pieces all the way around there. Next game here, Duke and Penn. Um, this game, so by the way, this game will not... You can stream it. It's like Under Armour Live through Corrigan Sports. Um, Got to pay for it, so that's the stream. I've had some people ask me, can you watch the game? Yes, on there. Um, so that's where this one will be played. It's a neutral site game in Levittown, New York. Uh, MacArthur High School there on Long Island. Uh, Duke, they're looking as good as ever. We know Brennan O'Neill and Akai Montgomery. Big question here is Joe Robertson. Obviously went out against Delaware, didn't play uh, the mo- most of the game after going out in the first period. Um, is he back, and how strong does he look? And then, look, Sean Lowley, we saw him. They played him in that X spot. And very, very good on, what was that, Tuesday night? Can he have another good game against his former team and Penn? And then for Penn, like, I think, look, we've seen Duke have some trouble with teams that capitalize and transition this season. They struggle. I wouldn't say they struggle, but, you know, Robert Morris gave them some some troubles early on before they broke things open. Vermont gave them some struggles for about three periods of play. So, how and, and Jackson? Well, Jacksonville. That plan was it was a defensive plan, really shut them down. 
Quakers really transition-wise got some good opportunities against Georgetown last week. Can they get those same opportunities here against Duke? It's kind of the main question there. Maryland and Princeton. Um, look, I, I'm not even going to touch on Maryland here. We know what they are. Logan Wisnowskis, those guys. Talked about, about them a little bit with Syracuse and the strong game they had there, that defense. Logan McKinney and Cage. Just the best team in the country. I I don't know where they have a a fault. I don't know where they have a hole. Um, can Princeton expose a hole? I don't know. Princeton blew out Monmouth twenty two to six, and then Binghamton twenty two to nine. Chris Brown six goals, six assists, uh, seven goals, seven assists on the year, and Alex Slusher, who's been moved to attack. Eight goals, two assists. This Princeton offense has looked phenomenal. I want to see what does this Princeton, not only their offense do, but does defense also do against a team, the caliber of Maryland. And you look at a guy, George Bond, back there leading the way for this defense, Eric Peters and Cage. Uh, Can they cause some trouble for the Maryland offense. Who knows? We'll see how that thing goes. Ohio State and Harvard meet down in Naples, Florida. Uh, the Buckeyes coming off that big win over Carolina. Justin Anasio, 69% of the dot. Jack Myers, nine points in the game. Two goals, seven assists. Uh, so can Ohio State continue? This streak, and I think Ohio State's probably a better team than the Clemson, for sure. But can they continue this hot streak and continue to win and avoid an upset here? Uh, Harvard, they beat NJIT 17-4. to Austin Madronic, Miles Butkus, each had a hat trick in that game. I didn't watch it because, really, blowout. Um, blowout there, you, you don't get a ton of to see what Harvard is made of. Uh, so really this game, I'll be watching what does Harvard look like. And look, uh, the Ivy League looks like it's going to be strong this year. Yale is good. Penn is good. Cornell is good. Brown is good. Is Harvard also a good team that should be mentioned in, in with that pack as well? Uh, you look at Yale and Penn, obviously at the top, I think Cornell is that strong third Brown has shown to be a fighter through their first two games, a uh, tough team, and really Brown always, you know, I think who was it? Uh, was it uh, uh, one coach, I can't remember who it was, said one time, he's like, don't ever schedule Brown because they're tough, always tough. And we saw they upset Virginia in 2020. We saw what they did on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday against North Carolina, so they've still got a ton of talent on that roster. A lot of young guys there uh, making impacts, but still a lot of talent and a lot of grit that they play with. So, you know, Brown is in that conversation very much as well. Harvard, Jerry Byrne, his first full season there. What can this team be? We're going to find out here on Saturday night 
against the Buckeyes. That one's 7 p.m., and it's on Big Ten Plus uh, in Naples, uh, wherever it's being played there. A couple other games to note before we get out of here. Brown and Vermont. The Bears, you know, 1-1 and after the loss to North Carolina. Um, Vermont, they fell to you know, Utah 11-10 two weeks ago and lost to Duke 15-7. to uh, They beat Penn State uh, over a week ago now. Uh, it was last Wednesday or Thursday when they beat the uh, Nittany Lions. Both of these teams have shown to be top 20 caliber teams and can make a lot of noise in transition. I think this is going to be a pretty fun one. Uh, Tommy Burke, Matt Gunty. Can Matt Gunty, you know, reclaim himself after a pretty bad performance there against Carolina? But I will say, he uh, he fought till the end in that one. Drexel and Albany, the Dragons and Great Danes, both looking for their first one this season. And look, if you were to ask me two, three weeks ago, Drexel, you would have to tell me, Drexel's going to start 0-2. I would have said you're crazy. Uh, Drexel returns a ton of production from last season, but they fell to UMBC and then got upset by Lafayette on Tuesday. Face-offs, they're going 37% there in the first two games. Really, really the death of this team so far early in the season. Uh, Albany... You know, we didn't get to see a ton of what they were against Cornell because Cornell did blow things open. Uh, Albany got down early and never was able to recover. Graydon Hogg, three points in that one. Want to see just how deep that team is. So uh, that's one I'll be keeping my eye on. And Drexel-Albany is always a really interesting early season game. Two more games, or three more games to go over here. Boston U and UMass. So the Terriers are 2-0. and Upset Bryant last week. They've never played UMass, which I didn't realize. They've never played UMass uh, before. This would be, and I know you can have your thoughts, opinions on UMass, what they are this year compared to last year. I think they're better than last year. Uh, They should have more wins than four, like they did a year ago. Uh, But but this Taylor team is, is tough. They've shown to be tough. They, last week, had a phenomenal ride going against Bryant. Matt Garber, 14 saves. Jake Cates had four goals there. Connor Calderon, 50% at the dot. I think this is a team that's going to give UMass all they can handle on Saturday. And look, if they get a win, that's a huge victory for Ryan Poley and the Terriers there. Loyola and Rutgers, uh, two teams coming into this game. Polar opposite starts the season. Rutgers 4-0. However, the only ranked team they've played is Army. They skimmed past them a week ago after getting up big, and Army comes back in that one. Uh, we've seen really defense and that NASCAR offense, transition offense, really lead the way there for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Loyola, they're still searching for what, the, what in the world is the identity of this team. Uh, we saw last week, wasn't necessarily a good game for them against Hopkins. They, you know, got beat late in that one. Um, I, I don't know. Aiden Olmstead, Joey Kamish were the only two guys that have shown any kind of, I don't want to say fight, but the, the only two guys that have really been as advertised at this point in the season. This has really been 
a disappointing start for Loyola. If they get this win here, even if they keep this one close against Rutgers, I think that's a good sign of this team moving forward. We'll be interested to see what they do in cage. Played multiple guys in cage last week. Uh, none of them were, oh, what's his name? Escape me. Started from last year, Sam Schaefer. None of them were Sam Schaefer, uh, which was notable in its own right there. North Carolina and Hopkins, both these teams come into Saturday, similar paths. Hopkins gets blown up by Georgetown, bounces back with a win over Loyola. Granted, an ugly win, but a win nonetheless over the rival. North Carolina, blown out by Ohio State, bounces back with a win over Brown on Tuesday. Uh, this will be interesting. Both these teams looking to continue to push forward, continue to improve. Both these teams have some deficiencies. Carolina, we've talked about that defense, that midfield unit. Hopkins, I mean, look, I, really, I think defense has been their strength. I think their offense has got to improve in terms of where they can attack from. Uh, defense for Hopkins has been pretty strong this season. Coaston, I think, has been strong in cage. Owen McManus at pole. Um, the face-off battle, I think, will be interesting here, though, to see how that one goes between these two. Let's see. Any other games I want to mention here before we get out of here? Penn State-Yale is not what it could be or should be or has been. Lehigh-Cornell will be an interesting one. Denver and Jacksonville, uh, see if the Dolphins can pull off another upset there. That, those are both on Saturday. Marquette, Utah, I think is intriguing. I think Utah should get the win there, though. Uh, Carolina Hopkins is on Sunday, by the way. I did not mention that. Air Force plays Jacksonville uh, in a ex-SOCON battle on Sunday. So uh, that one there as well should be interesting. Also... All right, folks, that's it for today's show. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can connect with us on social media, at LacrosseBucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Stay safe and enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. See you all back here on Sunday night.